Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello, and welcome, or should I say welcome back, to the Indie Football Podcast, a World Cup Daily edition. I am Emmanuel, as ever. Uh, sports editor of the Independent and uh, your host for this evening, and it was a monumental evening because we have lost the team that I thought was going to win the World Cup in in its shortest possible terms. Uh, yes, we have lost Brazil, the five-time World Cup winners, Pentacampial. They were looking for what they call the the Hexa, the, the sixth World Cup, but they are out after being defeated two-one by Belgium. Um, the Belgians went two-nil up early. And uh, they deserved this game uh, in very short hand. But they uh, they conceded one late through Renato Augusto. And it could have been a real siege at the end, but Belgium hold out. So Belgium uh, go through to the World Cup semi-finals. Um, but you don't want to hear that from me. Let's, uh, let's talk to Johnny Liu, who was there in Kazan, uh, in what they're now calling the Graveyard of Champions. Another enthralling night in Kazan. Um, Brazil out of the World Cup. Uh, the same ground where Germany and Argentina have gone out in, in previous weeks. And really uh, a surprise result that didn't really feel like a surprise. Um, I think, you know, within half an hour, as as Belgium went 2-0 up, there was a, there was a, almost a sort of um, a procession feel about it. Even though Brazil kind of rallied a little bit in the second half, pulled a goal back, uh, it was probably their poorest performance of the World Cup in their biggest game. And... They really didn't have an answer to Belgium's front three and, and, and the way they counterattacked. Um, when Lukaku and Hazard and, and De Bruyne got hold of the ball, they, had, they seemed to have so many options. Lukaku against, against Miranda was, was a real mismatch. Fernandinho was you know, absolutely adrift in midfield. And, and you know, the, the, the ease with which Belgium were able to cut through them twice in that first half was... I mean, not even that shocking, just just sort of, I, I mean, if you're a Brazilian fan who's, who's, who's seen these kind of t- successive tournament failures, it was it was really just quite dispiriting. Um, and, you know, like I said, they did they did come back in the second half. Firmino came on, which which gave them a, a, an extra body in between the lines. And, you know, they, they had a few chances towards the end. Courtois had a, had a great game, but Belgium defended really well. Uh, Fellaini and, and, and Witzel in midfield had, uh, you know, had a you know a pretty decent game and you know it just wasn't enough for Brazil. It was it was it was really really disappointing from them. And well, I suppose the question now is is what what Belgium can go on and do next. That semi final against France in Saint Petersburg on on Tuesday night has has the feel of a you know a real a real meeting of equals. And I guess for Belgium who have, have sort of built up this this incredible momentum over their five games and um having having won all five now have 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 got this incredible confidence and it was interesting to to hear company in the Vincent company in, in the pre-match press conference say that there was a time when 
Belgium, uh, you know, a small country with traditionally not much of a great football pedigree, they would have approached a game like Brazil with almost a kind of trepidation. They'd, they'd go in expecting to get beaten. And, and there's none of that now. These are players who, who play at the very highest level, champions of England and, and, and Italy and Spain and, and, and Germany. And, and there's, there's a real swagger to them that I, I think hasn't always been present. The other thing that, that they've really kind of developed in the last two years, even less actually, in, in the last sort of five or six months, is, is this cohesion. It was, it was interesting to see Thomas Mernier the, the right wing back tweeting after the game that the, the individual, sorry, the collective always trumps the in, individual. And I think that's harking back to their quite, or, well, their failure in, in France at the Euros two years ago when, when they lost to Wales in the quarterfinal, that they never had, had they seemed more like a, a collection of really talented individuals that had no idea how to play as a team. And where Martinez deserves credit is he's got them playing as a team. Uh, there was a, a system like a, a pretty complicated tactical system that, that they that they deployed tonight, which was uh, essentially three at the back with the ball, um, and, and kind of Mernier pushing on on the right. But but when Brazil got the ball and attacked them, it was Mernier slotted back and, and made it a four with Fellaini and Witzel ahead of them, and, and and made them very hard to break down. And although Brazil had chances, they weren't they weren't consistent chances, and they they didn't really seem to have much of a plan of how to open Belgium up. So. That's something that, that Belgium really have. And I think, you know, it, if, if you reach a World Cup semi-final, then you've got to be considered, you know, a real contender to win it. It's going to be a great semi-final in St. Petersburg. Um, the talent on showing that game is going to be incredible. And I think Belgium have finally reached a level. This was a watershed moment for them. They've, they've beaten big teams in, in, in friendlies and they, they've beaten... Uh, you know, quite quite good teams in qualifying. They've breezed through qualifying groups. They've made quarterfinals of tournaments. But this is the first time they've beaten a really top-class opponent uh, in a big tournament. And I think for this group of players, it's something they needed to do. And what they can what they can achieve now is, is pretty much limitless. I can't wait for St. Petersburg on, on Tuesday night. And there's a real focus to them that, that suggests that they they could go all the way. Johnny, I think it's fair to say, impressed by Belgium and, and sees them as potential World Cup winners. Um, they will play in the semi-final France, who uh, maybe didn't impress quite as much. They beat Uruguay, uh, and it, you know, in the end, looks handy at two 0 But they were outplayed early on. Uh, they scored a goal through Rafael Varane, heading home a free kick. But Uruguay had been the better team up until that point, and then um, you know, a goalkeeping mistake uh, for the second goal from Muslera in the end uh, puts France through but this was not uh, convincing uh, by any stretch uh, from the French in Nizhny Novgorod and our man in Nizhny uh, is Miguel Delaney tonight and he's got two special guests uh, both friends of indie football uh, Ken Early from the second captain's podcast but we've also got Josh Robinson on again who was uh, at France Argentina with me and uh, they are talking about France Uruguay there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, Ed. Uh, we're just outside Nishni here with uh, two special guests. Guests, the, uh, the shoe on the other foot this time, because here's Ken Early from Second Captains. Not asking any questions. Hello, hey, Ken. Do, how do you doing, Miguel? Good to talk to you. And, Thanks. And you, Ed. Yeah. And uh, Josh Robinson from the uh, Wall Street Journal. What's going on, guys? Uh, well, we've just watched... Well, actually, we just watched Brazil against Belgium, which looked a much better game than the one we were at, which is France. Um, but after watching all that, what do we think of where the semi-final lies and how the day went? Well, I hope Belgium wins the semi-final um, based on just the fact the way they took the game to Brazil in the first half and they played better in that first half than France have, I think, at any time I've seen them. Yeah. Although maybe there was a little bit of the France-Argentina about that. I mean, it might, it might seem a bit like I'm being a bit tough on France since they have had a 4-3 with uh, Argentina, but it seemed like they were ripping up yeah. a bad team. It's very, yeah, I mean, Argentina gave them so much space, and that defence is a gang of clowns, really, yeah. who just stepped... I mean, it was, it was one of the... I mean, uh, actually, after the game, I went on a little rant to Josh about Deschamps. Because <laughs> it's just... It, watching that France team is so frustrating, because there's so much talent there, and yet they look like... They look like a gang of like just dogs of war. It's just oh, so dreary. Well, that's his yeah. nature. That's the team he wants to build. It's he wants like a low block, defensive solidity, and then anything else that happens is gravy for him. Do you, do you think, as a manager, he actually has an idea, or is this just something he's kind of? Well, we did this in '98. I was a defensive midfielder, and it's if like he's never fully developed. It. That's just the, the way he thinks the game should be played. I mean, that's the way he played uh, everywhere else he's managed. I mean, to be fair, he didn't do very much at those clubs, um, but. Well, who's to say that he has uh, he has a, uh, another reason for doing something with France? Right? Yeah, it's more or less working for him. He's taken them to a major final. He's got them in the semis of the World Cup. I mean, in one in one way, it makes sense what he's doing because he's got like he's got players like Mbappe and, and Griezmann who are brilliant on the counter attack. So why not play in a way that gives them space? So it is it is rational. I don't think that it's very French uh, in the sense that I don't think it's the kind of exciting team that France would like to have. Um, you know, if I think back to Deschamps, the big the player who he, uh, I mean, the one player I can remember who had a huge falling out with him was Eric Cantona. Yeah. Who to me does seem to actually incarnate a lot of those French qualities. But then again, Cantona didn't really ever do much for the national team. Yeah. Deschamps won the World Cup, so you know the water carrier is carrying water all the way. So. Yeah. And and it's interesting you bring up Griezmann playing on the counter attack because Griezmann himself has said. You know, this is a way I know how to play because it's what I do all year at Atletico. But, but what, what's frustrating about France, though, especially like Kevin Washington today, uh, it's a sense that you would think, given all that attacking talent, if they had a manager, I mean, if they had maybe Roberto Martinez, because I think he's done a re- Martinez has done a really good job of kind of coordinating those Belgian attackers and, and giving a shape to them in the way that Wilmots couldn't. Although Wilmots is also kind of a complete clown. Um, if, but if they if they if they had <laughs> if they had what well, he is don't don't, don't make that gesture. <laughs> Just killing, just killing him there. Josh just made a slashing gesture as if I'm gonna, as if it's gonna be cut out. I can assure you that's not gonna be the case. Um, Clown will stay in. But yeah, I mean, if they had a manager like Martinez, whatever at the back, 
but to kind of coordinate that attack that would that not give France a better chance of winning a World Cup or, or is the way to win World Cups just a dreary way through is that, is, is that, is that international football I mean would they, sacri- would they be sacrificing the defensive stability they have there yeah. and on Belgium I think what made that game so good is also one of the things that kind of makes Belgium vulnerable in the semis um, yeah they, they su- they survived an, an entire half of Brazilian chances there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the play, I think more than uh, manager. Well, maybe maybe the, the manager doesn't help. But even if France had, you know, Roberto Martinez as their manager, I think they'd be better off. If they could take one person from Belgium, it would be Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he, I think he's the kind of player who could transform the way they play. I mean, notionally, Paul Pogba is that player for for France. Yeah, there's just something lacking. There's more. He's not really joining things. Yeah, up. there's more focus to De Bruyne's game than Pogba still, isn't there? He's, I mean, just De Bruyne is phenomenal. I mean, the goal that he scored today. Is there anyone who can hit those kind of shots? Yeah. I mean, he scored, he scored a couple of those in the Premier League. You know, those kind of straight, yeah. incredibly hard shots, exactly where he wants them to go. I mean, you could see the goal coming. You know, yeah. you're, you're like, he's, you know, this is a good chance of going in. I mean, Pogba, I've seen him hit balls like that, but somehow he doesn't have a collection yeah. of balls like that. Well, what I actually particularly liked about the end of the game was both in the last two minutes, both De Bruyne and Hazard using their attacking qualities, like kind of the ultimate destruction defensive play but De Bruyne chipped the ball over the top not to create a chance but to put Hazard in the corner who then kind of used his control to win a corner yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I like that but yeah yeah um, I mean Brazil are, are I, I just I think it's interesting what's going to happen now with Brazil I, I mean it seems to me as though Neymar has kind of written himself out of the top level of the game now yeah. and this World Cup was, was supposed to be his kind of statement of you know I'm the greatest and instead all he's done is leave everybody with the impression of you're wasting your career a, a, an idiot like yeah, a, yeah. a guy who, who, who doesn't who's kind of lost his way he's lost his way in terms of his career he's 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 in france he's um he, he's known for for diving more than he is mm. for football now i mean you see, you see these videos of like kids you know neymar and they all jump on the ground and yeah stuff. yeah like, i mean it's it's a disaster it's yeah complete, it's a, like, the world cup has been a complete disaster here's another thing about for brazil as well actually I think there's an argument that obviously it's not humiliating but it could almost sting as much or sting more if in a different way than 2014 because in 2014 right through the tournament to a sense they kept getting away with it and it was always going to come whereas here they should be the best team in the competition and they've kind of pissed it away they don't really feel either as the, I mean the 2014 team kind of felt like they'd come through a couple of big tests against Chile and yeah. against Colombia like they had they had a couple of big uh, you know yeah. neck cords and the neck standing <laughs> out type of moments and then uh, then it all obviously went, went wrong but you know they lost to a very good team I mean our Germany did they do they respect Belgium in the same way as they respect Germany? You know, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. seven one is terrible, but like they at least they're like, well, like, they were seriously good side. They went on to win the yeah. final. You know, I suppose they hope Belgium can win now. Yeah. At least they can say, well, we lost to the winners. Well, but they they are one incredible save from Courtois at the end. There yeah, yeah, extra time and, and misses by Firmino, yeah. Coutinho. The Coutinho. I mean, I felt a bit sorry for Coutinho, given he's arguably in Brazil's best player throughout this tournament, mm. even if not completely perfect himself. So for him to miss that chance and Neymar yeah. set it up. Renato Augusto as well. Yeah. He scored, then missed it. Yeah, that was he took that chance. weirdly. Yeah, he. he I mean, he had, he had a lot of space, but uh, I mean, it's a, it's been a disaster. I mean, the, their whole their whole World Cup has been a big disappointment because they well because of the way it's ended but also because of the way they played yeah because they didn't ever play the way they did in 
qualifying. Yeah, yeah. Qualifying, they were completely on top of every game. Yeah. And play, you know, playing good stuff. This time, or at the World Cup, they actually retreated a bit, decided to play in a counter, and have gone out yeah. without really playing well. It, it probably sums up the day and the game we were at that we're talking more about than we watch on TV rather than the actual French yeah, French Uruguay. I mean, do you have anything yeah. more to say about that? Well, there was Uruguay wilted, didn't they? Ur- Ur- Uruguay are like a country that doesn't have enough good players. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and when they. Uh, when they lost uh, Ben Tanker for the semi-final, I mean, the, the the free kick, the goal came from a challenge that he made, yeah. and he was going to be suspended for the semi-final. Yeah, yeah. So they lost one of their only other good players. Yeah, Cavani is already out. It's like Suarez, who is like a diminished. Yeah. he's not the same Suarez. Yeah, and they just didn't have enough. And then yeah. they let in a farcical goal, like the 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 country that makes a bigger cult of yeah. defending than anyone else, lets in a carious goal. Packy Bonner on D four. And like. Just, and then everyone knew it was over, so it was, it was one of the, it's a, I mean, I don't know, Wait. I don't know if it's unprofessional to say that I actually <laughs> sent a match report before the, before the <laughs> no, whistle. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but it was, it was pretty easy to send it very promptly, you know, on the, on the whistle, yeah. and, uh, you know, because he knew the game was over as soon as the second goal went in. And, yeah. and what little defensive frailty France had in the first 20 minutes, yeah. Uruguay didn't yeah. make them pay for I've seen on, on the Twitter machine that Gary Neville, who actually was before me in the queue as he walked in, um, he seemed happier then. But apparently he's getting a lot of stick for being grouchy during the game and for slagging off, uh, was it Rodriguez or Jimenez, for, uh, for crying 10 minutes before the end. How do we, as you said, I think the game was over. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't know I mean, why, why he's crying, I suppose. It was, it was sad. I mean, crying during the game is a bit strange. So you well, yeah. get something inside. There was insects on the pitch. Lloris had an insect in his mouth at one point. Did he? A huge insect. Crucially, did not cry, though. No, uh, no spat it out. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, I'm just... obviously got really hyped up for the game, like they always do, and yeah. then they lose in such a... Such a deflating way like it feels like they haven't really yeah. shown what they can do and that, that, that's the thing. Uh, sorry go on yeah, I was just going to say that it's especially the way France scored that goal off a set piece yeah. kind of like and, and exploiting a team that had been quite good at defending them until that point kind of reminded me of France four years ago the yeah. way they went out quite meekly to yeah, yeah. you know they, they'd shown that they had improved but in the end they just didn't turn up to that yeah. game and lost to a far superior side. It's also the problem with a side like you. I mean, obviously, they have to kind of set up this way because, as you say, they've just got limited resources. But once a team like that goes behind in a game like that, it's just too difficult for them to completely shift everything about themselves. I mean, they could still, have, as long as it was 1 0, they had a chance because, I mean, there was the great save by Loris from, uh, was it Caceres? Yeah, Caceres yeah. Caceres yeah. And then Godin. Now the second best save in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he missed the follow up. And so, as long as it was 1 0, they could always score a goal like that. Yeah. But as soon as it was 2-0, everyone knew it was finished. What, what do we think for choosing? The one thing I would say about that, I mean, it should be, when the two teams finally go at it, it'll be a good game. But in the sense of a World Cup semi-final, mm. Brazil-France is much more of a, a World Cup fixture. This is a bit of a kind of a, a, a pre-tournament friendly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the World Cup is shrinking. Like, it's, it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it remains to be seen who actually won. But all of the South Americans are gone now. Uh, you know, if you're walking around here, walk around Nizhny last night. Yeah. It's just amazing the contrast between Nizhny the night before this game and the night before the England Panama yeah, game yeah, in the yeah. when it was just like streets are packed, everyone is out, loads of, loads yeah. of fans. Well, not like well I actually, because I, I, I'm staying uh, almost in the same place I was for Argentina Croatia, which under a massive shopping mall beside the stadium. So mm-hmm. both days I came through the shopping mall. And I actually felt a bit sad and a bit poignant because 
when Argentina were here, there was like thousands of fans at Shopping Mall, like, you know, the songs, mm. I stayed there for an hour, kind of watched them, recording them. Whereas today, it was just, I mean, there were, a lot, there were more Uruguay fans than, than French fans, but there's, ultimately, more. there's yeah. ultimately only three million Uruguayans, so there's not that many yeah. uh, <laughs> coming. Uh, so yeah, there was a bit of sadness, and I think in losing, whatever about the football side, in losing South Americans, it has lost a bit of colour. Really, because they were the ones who, who came. Yeah. yeah. They, they were, like, I mean, Europeans didn't show up. Yeah. yeah. No. They, did, you see, they, did you see France fans in the stadium today? It was one corner yeah, behind yeah. the goal. I saw a guy dressed up as Obelix. That's great. I think yeah, there was, they've gone for the gold. <laughs> Thanks for that. The, the, Belgians, the Belgians do that as well. The Belgians also also kind of wear Viking hats with plaits coming out of them. Who, who actually who owns Asterix? Is he French or, or he's Belgian? French. He's French. Okay. He's, he's, oh, Tintin's he's, he's, Belgian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he, he, you know, the Belgians go for the Belgae, of course. Uh, for, yeah, yeah. You know, the, one of the tribes. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> go on, yeah. Huh? The, the, the Belgae. <laughs> Various the Suede, Suede yeah. <laughs> there's a few different tribes, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think France was 31 out of 32 countries. Maybe only was was the UK actually in last place, or was England in last place of, of the ticket sales? Uh, really? They I'm were sure. they were right down the bottom. Like okay. I mean, usually England would be pretty high, but England and France, I think, were among the lowest take-ups of any country. So I mean, France has has been turning up in like two and three thousand for games. Yeah, they had like fewer than two and a half thousand for uh, for the Peru game in Yekaterinburg. Yeah. I know it's tough to get to, but it's still the World Cup. And yeah, yeah. You know, you're France. You're not nobody. Actually, I'm assuming we're, we're going to see a few more England fans yeah, know, expect, tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, obviously they've got two more games uh, oh, yeah. to, to, to get out here for after yeah. this next one. Um, Semi in third place. So, yeah. so, so there could, there could be uh, maybe they're postponing it a little bit. Yeah. But I assume I assume we're going to see a bit of a bandwagon effect developing right. here. I mean, surely these boys, yeah. surely these boys deserve <laughs> deserve support. Yeah, yeah. There's still tickets on sale for tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's going to be a lot of tickets. Uh, being sold by Brazil fans. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, well actually, it's not that. It's not that semi-final. It's the other one. Um, whatever, uh, whoever was meant to be in that, in that yeah. semi-final is going to be selling up. Like, like today, I was talking to Uruguayan on the way down here yesterday, and he was saying uh, he went out in his Uruguay shirt the night mm. before, and like every two seconds, there's another Argentinian coming up to him saying, "Oh, mate, please, please buy this ticket." Oh, well, really? Yeah, 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 they were just desperately like... uploading the tickets wherever they could. He's like, "But the Argentinians, they were asking for FIFA price." Yeah. You know, forget it, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they didn't realize the market there, did they? Yeah, like, you know, it's, it's, so, it's, it's a buyer's market. For, so I think I think tickets won't be as difficult to get as, as maybe. I would encourage all the England fans to come out here and <laughs> see this wonderful country yeah. for yourselves. <laughs> oh, I, did, I was talking to another journalist here. He says, do you notice the way everyone in here is coughing? And we've both, been, we've both had sort of coughing. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, had a cough. Everyone yeah. in the press center is coughing. Yeah. What's going on here? Is that uh, the air conditioning in the press center, I think? Could we, is it? I've had a cold for about three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, I mean... We're not all being poisoned, are we? Hope not. I mean, I suppose the other side of it is tournaments, like you're kind of traveling a lot, like four hours sleep a night a lot of the time. Mm. Your, your, your immune system is down. Hopefully that's yeah. it. Yeah. It takes less poison then. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> is, is this allowed saying? Uh, <laughs> on, on, on a semi-related note, actually, if, if Russia and England go out, it is very much the, uh, the Maastricht Cup. It's, uh, you know, the Is e anyone e calling it that? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, the EU. I think in, in, in the original sensible soccer night, there was a turn. They were obviously didn't have the rights, so rather than call it the European Championships, they call it the Maastricht Cup. <laughs> Listen, yeah. you, uh, from the moment you've got England, France, and Belgium there, it's the uh, Eurostar Challenge yeah, trophy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> A little vase. It should be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Right. right, okay. Going off the rails. Yeah, uh, and as, as you hold one, actually. Yeah. So you're not completely off the rails. Uh, 
No, you have to see that, really. It's rubbish. <laughs> okay. You had the Eurostar joke on TV. I know, yeah. Cut that out, Ed. Cut, do cut out that bit. Uh, right, thank you. Thanks to the lads. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Miguel. Uh, thank you, Josh. Thank you. Good night. Yes, and good night to you, Miguel. Uh, thank you for that. We'll talk to Miguel again uh, in the coming days, I guess. He'll want to react to England, whatever happens. And then also, we've got two semi-finals uh, coming up that uh, he's going to be at. Uh, but I guess most of you are listening because you want a bit of a preview for the England game, uh, which will be today, I guess, for by the time you're listening. It's Saturday. Um, England, the biggest game in a generation for uh, the England football team, feels weird to say, against Sweden in the quarterfinals. They win that, and they're likely to play uh, Croatia in the semi-final, possibly Russia if things keep going their way. But our man uh, with England throughout this competition has been Jack Pitbrook. Uh, he's been spending most of his time up in Rapino, which is a very small, weird place north of St. Petersburg. But now he's down in Samara, which is, uh, as I'm sure he'll tell you, a long way away. Hello, Ed. Hello, listeners. I'm here in Samara, uh, which is a place I haven't been yet during this World Cup. It's really, really far away. If you look at it in the map, it's practically in Kazakhstan. Um, so it kind of feels very different from the place I've been before and it it also feels very remote Um, for a start I don't think I've seen any England fans since I've been here I'm sure there'll be quite a few at the game on Saturday evening uh, probably even more than hopefully even more than there were in Moscow on Tuesday night but it does mean that I think the general feeling going into this game is it doesn't it doesn't feel quite as big as it should be it doesn't feel quite as big as it is yet certainly if you compare it to Portugal in 2006 or Brazil in 2002 I think probably just because because of the location and because of the opposition Sweden I mean it, looking it's funny to think about it now but the way the draws worked out has put England in an incredibly fortunate position I mean not not to underestimate Sweden but you'd have to say of the eight quarter finalists they are I mean, they're probably not the weakest because Russia are the weakest, but there are all sorts of other reasons why you might not want, might not want to play Russia. Um, and it's almost, I mean, Southgate's decisions, particularly on resting players against Belgium and therefore coming second in the group, have been, have been vindicated almost more than he could ever have imagined. You know, remember that if, if Marcus Rashford had scored that one-on-one in the Belgium game, then England would have... England would have drawn the game, won the group. They then would have played Japan. And, I mean, who knows what would have happened in that game, given what Japan did to Belgium. But then they would have played Brazil in the quarterfinals. But now, because England didn't win the group, and because of the fact that, obviously, Germany screwed up their own group, uh, England England have now got Sweden to play instead of anybody stronger. Um, and frankly, for, you know, there's lots of people, me included, who are very, very critical of Southgate's decision to rest players against Belgium. Not just on the kind of like instrumental terms of England's chances of winning the World Cup, but also on a kind of moral terms about why what it means to be in a World Cup and what you should, what you ought to contribute to a World Cup when you are there. Now, I think Southgate seems to have won the argument just because of the position that England now find themselves in. That all said. I don't think it's going to be very easy tomorrow. I mean, I think England will win. Um, but I've seen a fair bit of Sweden so far. And I've been impressed with them. I think that they... I mean, they'll be very, very different from the Columbia game. They're not as aggressive. They defend very well. They keep their shape. But they've got a great a great way, Sweden, of making other teams look stupid. I mean, they're, they're, we ran a great piece on, 
on independent.co.uk by Lawrence Osterley about this the other day, talking about how, like Sweden's kind of knack of making other teams screw up when they play them. I watched the Mexico game in the group stage where Sweden won 3-0, which was a result completely overshadowed, of course, by Germany losing 2-0 to South Korea and getting knocked out. But in that game, Sweden, they defended very well. They let Mexico come on to them. They picked them off on the break. They made Mexico look stupid, basically, uh, because of their kind of canny counter-attacking game. I remember watching the Germany game, which again has only been remembered for that incredible Tony Kroos uh, added time winner, which of course is now a completely irrelevant moment. Like uh, w- when it happened, I thought, oh well, that's going to be the moment that makes Germany go on and win it. But of course, it, it couldn't. F- it couldn't fix Germany's bigger problems. But the first half of that game, Germany were terrible. Like they had, they defended far too high up the pitch with Boateng and Hummels, and Sweden were getting in every time. And it was only really a bit of bad luck and a bit of bad finishing, which meant that Sweden didn't win that game three or four nil. And then, of course, Sweden beat Switzerland again on the counter-attack in their last 16 match. So I do think it will be a very different challenge for England. And I was at the England, um, England press day in Repino on Thursday, and this kind of came up a lot. Like how, And then what England players said is, look, we know they're going to defend very well. That means two things. It means that we, we need to move the ball quickly to, kind of, to get around the back if we're going to score goals. And I think that... I think England can do that, but I think the only time they've done that really well this, time, this tournament was actually the first half an hour against Tunisia before Deli Ali got that, that groin injury, which has kind of constrained him ever since. And so I think that England will have to improve their how they move the ball in open play to create the chances that they're going to need to score against Sweden. If they don't do that, then I think realistically they're going to have to rely on another pen or a corner or a free kick like they've done so far. That's part one. But, but issue number two that England have to deal with in this game is defending against the counter-attack. Because even though Sweden don't have much pace, this is another point Lawrence made in his good piece, um, they are very good on the break. Like they're very clever and they're good at kind of... They, they remind me a tiny little bit of, of the Leicester City team that won the Premier League. Like they don't have as much pace or explosiveness, but they've got that kind of canniness where they suck you onto them. Uh, they kind of lure you into their traps, and then they go in and hit you. And I think it, that, that is a bit of an issue for England. That said, one thing that I think England have done very well this World Cup is defending against the counter-attack. I mean, that's really the benefit of playing the back three, isn't it? Is that you can push both wing... It's not like a 4-4-2 where you're anxious about pushing both full-backs forward because you're only left with two at the back. If you're playing a back three, you can push both wing-backs forward um, and you've still got three at the back. And if one of them's Kyle Walker, that gives you more width to kind of cover across on that side... If they are if they are counterattacking, I mean even the Colombia game. I mean, I, sorry, I, I meant to watch that back. I still haven't watched that back yet, so this this might not be the case under like detailed analysis. But my impression at the time, particularly in the first hour when I was watching the game rather than writing, is there were quite a lot of times where Colombia were trying to counter after England had been attacking, but it was always snuffed out. Like Walker, Stones, and Maguire all were always good at getting in there uh, to block off. Um, Falcao, Cuadrado, Quintero, Arias and the other Colombian players who were breaking forward when they won the ball back um, so I probably I would take quite a lot of confidence from that English performance in terms of defending against the counter um, so and you know, of course things can go wrong and it, you know, it might be that Walker or Stones or Maguire make a mistake although they have been, you know, they have been very impressive in the last few certainly against Colombia actually the one thing I have seen more of 
so on a slight tangent, going back on the uh, Columbia game is is Stones, like just how well Stones did it, at kind of doing what he doing what Pep wants his players to do, which is organising the team around them when they have possession. Um, but anyway, um, I do think that England can be confident about their ability to defend the counter attack, which which is a very long way of saying. I don't, I'm not that worried about England conceding, but I think they will have to play better to score in open play. Uh, so that's why I think it's going to be narrow, and I wouldn't be that surprised if it goes to extra time. Uh, we, there's actually a journalist sweepstake uh, of results in England, game, in England games. I went for 1-0 to England with a late Sterling winner. Um, I don't know if it will actually be Sterling, and it might need extra time. But um, overall, impression is that it's going to be like difficult and it's going to take a while but I do think that England are going to get there in the end um, but you know it, who knows I mean it, 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 could, it, could, it could even be another Iceland if things start to go wrong but I don't think it will be um, so I'm feeling pretty confident but I will speak to you again at uh, some point late tomorrow evening when I'll be joined by colleague Jonathan Liu who's currently in Kazan at Brazil Belgium and is driving down to Samara tomorrow morning for the England game and then we will, we will both fill you all in with our thoughts on the match Thank you Jack for filling us all in and especially for filling us in on Johnny's travel plans um, we will hear from them as he correctly identified uh, tomorrow night when uh, we know if England are would you believe it World Cup semi-finalists or not uh, will be the first time since 1990 uh, and there are far weaker teams than were left in in 1990 but uh while you can't take anyone for granted, there's no denying that tonight the World Cup lost uh, its final two South American teams and two South American teams of, of great repute. This Uruguay side were better than France for most of that game and and Brazil were the tournament favourites until they went out tonight. So with those two out, England get a slightly easier run to a potential uh, trophy. And uh, well, no one's getting carried away. There is just starting... Uh, to open up a path and I think talking to Gareth Southgate today he certainly seems to realise that uh, things are breaking nicely for them but they might as well make the most of it you know while that is the case and uh, while that is the case we will uh, edit the podcast up for you and, and get this live and uh, by the time you hear the next podcast we'll know where England are uh, you can obviously head to the website and check anything out in the meantime independent.co.uk slash football uh, or as usual on uh, the Instagram feed Independent Sport on Twitter uh, we've got at Indie Football at Indie Sport When you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program.